Freedom of Species brings animal advocacy to the airwaves. It's a radio program dedicated to raising awareness of issues concerning animals. This includes advocacy, activism, protection, conservation, and importantly, appreciation. This show broadcasts from the 3CR studios in Melbourne on 855am and we're streamed live via the 3CR website. Recent podcasts are also available on the 3CR website, which is www.3cr.org.au and all previous podcasts are available on the Freedom of Species podcast website, freedomofspecies.org, as well as on iTunes. Welcome to the show. I'm Nick Pendergrass, hosting Freedom of Species. And before that, we heard uh, Out of the Pan with Sally. Definitely check that out, 12 to 1 every, uh, every Sunday, exploring issues around gender and sexuality. And our guest today is Mark Allen. Thanks for joining us, Mark, live in the studio. Thank you, Nick, and thanks for having me. Yeah, at least we, we're saying you're live in the studio because we recorded this three weeks before, but we can assure you that it is a sunny day in Melbourne, which definitely does narrow it down. We are live here in the studio. And um, yeah, definitely a very sunny day in Melbourne, at least when we came in, who knows what will happen afterwards. But yeah, um, we are speaking today about holistic activism and Mark has been an activist since the, um, yeah, since the 1990s. And yeah, um, in terms of holistic activism, I wanted to maybe first talk a bit about um, that, that term holistic. Put my own biases forward, I guess, in terms of um, the association with the term, maybe association with spirituality. I kind of think with holistic activism, if I heard that term, I might kind of think maybe, you know, we go out in a full moon and we align our chakras and plug in our crystals and we do activism, it's holistic. That's maybe what I think of. But do you want to talk a bit about what that term means in terms of holistic activism? Yeah, look, it's a good point. Um, it does have those connotations and it is obviously, it's trying to in include everyone so it's it's holistic in the terms of its inclusiveness so we we do want to get those people involved who see it as a spiritual thing but also want to get people involved who 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 aren't interested in spirituality as a concept it's it's inclusive and it includes anyone from your atheist all the way through to your zen buddhist mm -hmm. so um yeah so the reason why i use holistic is well first of all it's got a nice ring to it and it sort of um draws people in but I think also it really does um, it really does try to look at a at a bigger picture and it tries to um, break down narrow views of the world and look at an, and generalize inclusivity. Uh, so I've used it for that for that purpose. And holistic is used in a lot of cases uh, in permaculture and a lot of other practices as well that may not be perceived by everyone as necessarily being spiritual so mm -hmm. yeah. and I know one one uh, one thing you've come up against is uh, sometimes you know I guess the concept of uh, sustainable activism and avoiding activist burnout has become a bit uh, a bit trendy I guess like at most conferences there's that there's a session on that and as it should be it's a really important topic and that is definitely part of it but do you want to talk a bit about how it is you know um, avoiding activist burnout is definitely part of it, but there's certainly a lot more to it than just that. That's just a component of it. Well, that's right. Look, it was seeing activist burnout, including myself at times, that actually led me on the path to holistic activism that, that made me realise that activism has to be more than just about um, the activists themselves. It has to be about how we can create a society where activism is sustainable for ourselves 
and also the activism that we do um, builds in momentum so so that it becomes an inclusive and, and holistic thing. But in terms of words being being used, I mean, there's a lot of a lot. Holistic is probably overused. It's probably um, it's one of those buzzwords, and I, I I appreciate that too. It's like resilience. You know, resilience is used a lot now, um, and sustainable, of course, has been used a lot and of course that's been appropriated by capitalism as well they use sustainable a lot in a lot of greenwash mm -hmm. um it's the nature of language at the moment a cool word comes along and it becomes trendy and and good eventually it will become destroyed by mm -hmm. the fact that it gets uh, appropriated and misused so i appreciate the fact that um that that's that's probably true with the term holistic as well but yeah in terms of burnout look i've um I think that what I saw was I saw a lot of activism was about um, ideas rubbing up against each other. And I thought and I realized that a lot of the reason why activists become burnout, burnt out is because a lot of activism is actually um, the, the, the cognitive dissonance. Um, now, I, I should really uh, describe what cognitive dissonance is, and I happen to have a quote here for mm -hmm. you, Nick. So cognitive dissonance, according to Franz Fanon, is sometimes people hold a core belief that is very strong. When they are presented with evidence that works against that belief, the new evidence cannot be accepted. It would create a feeling that is extremely uncomfortable called cognitive dissonance. And because it is so important to protect the core belief, they will rationalize, ignore, and even deny anything that doesn't fit with the core belief. Mm -hmm. And so, I realized that what we should be doing as activists is focusing more on trying to find points of connectivity with people, um, understanding that um, we're not going to save the world with one set of values alone, and finding those points of connection and building up campaigns that way. And by doing that, we will be spending less time in conflict situations. And I think it's that conflict and that constant rubbing up against other people's ideas and that constant cognitive dissonance that really plays a role in, in burning us out. Mm -hmm. um, and if we, if we remove that and take a new approach, then we will not only uh, achieve more, but we will have a lot more time and energy to enjoy activism, I think, as well, and see it as, a, as, an, as an enjoyable process. There will always need to be activism, so we may as well accept it as being part of the human condition and celebrate it. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's definitely a really important point that uh, we will definitely explore uh, further in discussion. I think that is, yeah, such an important point, that cognitive dissonance for all forms of activism. Uh, and before we get into that, though, I thought maybe uh, one more thing we discussed in this opening section is, yeah, I mentioned you've been an activist since the 1990s, and I think that's probably predominantly been in environmental kind of scenes, but definitely in animal scenes as well. And I saw you at the Dominion March recently, ran into you there, and we met actually through doing vegan activism back in Perth. Um, but do you want to talk a bit about how your own activism has um, has sort of taken you towards this approach? Yeah, so I'm showing my age a bit here, but <laughs> yeah, I have been an activist since the 90s, and it started when I was a teenager and a, and a tree in, in my local village was going to be chopped down and I went up and pretty much stood in front of the people chopping the tree down, much to their amusement. <laughs> um, and then it sort of started from there when I realized I had a deep, a deep connection to the landscape around where I, where I lived. 
Um, and I became vegetarian quite quite early on too. It, it made sense. Actually, it was the mad cow disease um, outbreak in England that really got me thinking at a young age about the impact of animal agriculture. And I was thinking, well, I was asking, why is it that cows are going mad? And why uh, is there a risk that, that, that humans could get this awful disease? And I was told, well, because they're feeding cows the minced up remains of other dead cows, and they're not meant to eat that. And this is what's causing the disease. And suddenly I had this awakening that animal agriculture is, is very problematic. Um, and so straight away that took me on the path towards vegetarianism. And then I became vegan later on. Um, mainly it was through watching Earthlings, but I was well on the path to being vegan then. And uh, so, yeah, veganism, vegetarianism is, is, has been part of my path um, for, a, for a long time. Um, and I have been involved in, in activism around veganism and I've been in activism around sustainable town planning, which is, which is where my uh, uh, qualifications lie, um, and a whole range of other areas. But I have, over the years, seen the, the, the world, the global situation, just progressively get worse and worse. And I've seen us fight many campaigns and we've won some but we've lost far, far more. And what we tend to be doing is we, we seem to be uh, putting out spot fires. And we're not, we, we're not creating the paradigm shift. And paradigm is another word that might get misused over time, but I'm gonna use it for the time being. We're not creating that fundamental behavior change paradigm shift that we need to do, uh, that reconnection with, with, with the earth and, and with nature that we need to achieve um, in order to, to, to win. So I feel as though we're dealing with symptoms and not causes. Now, these symptoms are really important. You know, we, we need to go out and stop Adani. But unless we're also working at the same time within those campaigns towards uh, something that lies a little bit deeper below the surface, which is that behavior change so that we don't have to keep fighting one battle to find that there's another one to, to fight while all the time the the situation continues to get worse, you know. Mm. Yeah, lots to discuss and we'll Mark is going to be here the whole hour, so we'll get into all of that in more detail. We're going to start off with a track that Mark has chosen actually. Do you want to say a little bit about this track? Yes, this is a, a track by uh, Shock Octopus, um, which is a great band. Now, Michael Bayless and Scott Andrews are the two people in that band. Uh, Scott's a, a Buddhist and uh, Michael is a, a vegan. He's an activist too, uh, and been involved in a lot of activism um, and has helped me a lot in formulating uh, the holistic activist movement and what that's about. So I thought it'd be very apt to play a song about, um, about looking for Nirvana. And you're listening to Freedom of Species on 3CR 855 AM. You are listening to Freedom of Species. I'm Nick Pendergrass and we're joined today by Mark Allen, a longtime activist who is discussing holistic activism. And one thing which we sort of signposted in at the start of the discussion, which you mentioned, and yeah, is definitely worth exploring in, in more detail, I think, is that I think as, you know, various forms of activists, as animal activists, if we just think, if we just inform people about what's going on in animal agriculture, everyone will become vegan. And if we're refugee activists, if we just tell people about the human rights, you know, human rights laws, then we'll all of a sudden be, you know, change our policies towards refugees and people be concerned about that. Or environmental activists, we think as soon as we just tell people 
about climate change. All of a sudden, everyone's going to be environmental activists. And there's a whole wide range of research. And Adam Cardellini, one of our um, hosts of Freedom of Species, does another um, podcast, Vegan Sci. And check it out at vegansci.com. And he's gone into a lot of the academic research around this that, unfortunately, as Mark touched on at the start, that is actually not the case. And as people, um, yeah, when people are confronted with facts which challenge their currently held belief, they tend to actually just get more entrenched in their belief rather than changing their attitudes and behavior. So I think regardless of which social movement, definitely animal advocates, but all activists, this is a huge barrier for us to um, to face and an important one. So do you want to talk a bit about some of uh, the strategies you've developed or, or thought of through your activism and how, how we can overcome this cognitive dissonance? Definitely. Look, a, f- a few months ago, I was asked to go and debate a climate skeptic on another radio station. And I thought about, well, how am I going to approach this from a um, from a holistic activist point of view? Is this just going to be an exercise in cognitive dissonance? Are we just going to rub up against each other and um, end up not getting very far? So I decided to actually not really focus on climate change. I decided to focus on some of the symptoms of climate change. And I, I asked him, you know, what what are the issues that concern you most about the environment? Because everyone has something. Mm-hmm. Everyone has some, everyone want, everyone wants to breathe clean air and drink clean water at the very minimum, you know. Mm. And he talked about how he misses the the trees and the forests around, you know, the the area where he lives near Geelong. And so we we talked about land clearance and we talked about the importance of preserving the forest. But I wanted to find a way in that he could take ownership of that 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 we we started on something on his terms. Mm. And by looking at 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 land clearance we we started to connect on that issue about the, the the great tragedy of the large amount of native forest that is being lost in australia and which is accelerating as well i mm. mean it's getting worse um and then from there on um he we talked about um coal and um he understood the fact that we may as well have renewable energy if we have it why not have solar panels on 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 roofs so we kind of built up the trust and the camaraderie Mm. through that connection so that when we talk about coal and solar panels and clean energy it was it wasn't rooted in conflict by that stage it was Mm. rooted in we found a, a we found a common space and so we could have a rational conversation and when you have a rational conversation about clean energy you know, it, it's quite rational that, you know, you would go for solar panels and put them on roofs, um, if possible, as an alternative to burning more coal. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, it's it's quite a nuanced issue with solar panels. It's not always black and white. Sometimes the solar panels are not built to last very long and they're cheap and they end up in landfill and there's a lot of rare earth. So, you know, nothing's ever straightforward. But generally speaking, you know, solar is always going to be better than, than coal so then we moved on to that area and we agreed we should do that and then we talked about the trains and the public transport and how we need to improve train travel and we, and all of a sudden over time over time we all start we started to agree on many issues that we need to do in order to combat climate change mm. so while he doesn't actually think that climate change is a big issue a lot of the issues that are creating climate change are issues that he thinks are big issues. Mm. So rather than trying to persuade him to sort of believe in in climate change, for want of a better term, we we found areas where we can work together potentially mm. and and help indirectly. He will be helping the climate crisis, but he will also be helping the biodiversity crisis. He will also be helping the air pollution crisis. The 
and and so it goes on. Um, and that's that's how I think we 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 need to to approach everyone. And look, fracking in Victoria was banned because people for very different sets of values managed to connect on a common issue, which is farmers didn't want fracking. You know, trendy green voters in in a Melbourne didn't want fracking. Uh, they might not agree on a lot of issues, but they they found a common ground there and they worked together. Um, so I think it can be done. I think it's really, really, really important that we we do actually start to do that. What worries me is that when any side gets so rooted in ideology that they that they want to that they would rather stay pure to their ideology and let the planet die than actually work with people who may not share their values. I think that's very, very sad. But, you know, you can work with people who have different values to you and still acknowledge the fact that you have differences. You know, if, if, if a vegan, you know, works with a sheep farmer to plant more trees, for example, that doesn't necessarily mean the vegan is is saying that I think that your sheep farming is a good thing. Mm. But what it does do is it provides a connection with a sheep farmer and it provides a friendship with the sheep farmer you know if that sheep farmer was ever going to stop rearing sheep it's more likely to happen by a vegan helping that farmer to plant trees on their land than by a vegan going up to that sheep farmer and telling them that everything they're doing is 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 wrong now i'm not saying that should be the reason why a vegan would plant trees with a sheep farmer with that with that overwhelming desire to stop that farmer from doing that but what i'm saying is is that if you find points of connection with people if they are going to change their opinion and change their way of looking at the world to suit your way of looking at the world it's going to happen that way um it's certainly not going to happen any other way um so this is this is why i think that we we really have to start looking at this method as a way of getting around cognitive dissonance mm. you know yeah, and I think it's we had uh, vegan psychologist Claire Mann on maybe about three weeks ago, and it sounds like a fairly similar approach. The approach you had towards the um, the climate change denier um, was kind of similar to her sort of approach of um, vegans speak with non-vegans, so it can often be a bit of a, like a them and us mentality. Yeah. And she was talking about using we statements, so sort of being like we're part of the same group, even yes. though we might have slightly different you know attitudes towards animals currently, or at least practices. To Towards animals, consumption practices towards animals, um, but that doesn't mean like you know it can't be we in some ways, and so it sounds like kind of a similar approach in that respect. It is, you're, yes, exactly right. And I listened to that interview with Claire Mann, and I've actually listened to Claire before, um, and I'm a, a big fan of Claire's. And and Claire said on your program a couple of weeks ago, you know, that what is on the inside it reflects on the outside. So. Um, you know, being at being at peace with the world and having that sort of sense of um, acceptance with the way the world is. Now, acceptance, of course, doesn't mean that we, we don't want to change it and that we don't think there are awful things happening. But acceptance of the way the world is um, and that peacefulness allows us, I think, to, to, to achieve more as activists. Mm -hmm. Because while acceptance may seem... Um, People struggle with the term acceptance, mm. but as I say, um, if if you if if you have acceptance in combination with with compassion, you can accept something. But your compassion to make the world a better place, in combination with that acceptance, I think will will actually have have more of an impact on improving the world. 
than if you you don't have that compassion and you have a lot of anger and resentment. So I think acceptance is okay as long as it has that compassion with it, mm -hmm. you know, because that means that we we can accept something and still want to change it in a positive way, but not coming out of ego and ideology, but coming out of a desire to find connectivity with with people and, and building up a movement with um, people from all different ideas and backgrounds and understanding that it's an ongoing conversation. You know, activism is an ongoing conversation. We are never going to create the world that one person's mind perceives as the way the world should be and that would be dangerous if it if if we did you know history is is fraught with single ideologies becoming dominant and so it is going to be a culmination of lots of different minds and inputs and it is an ongoing conversation so not being attached to the outcome but being interested in how that conversation develops I think is is really important too. Yeah, and I think that idea of acceptance is really important. And yeah, obviously on the surface of it, you know, it can maybe could get some opposition and sort of get people offside in terms of like, you know, we don't accept that this many animals are being slaughtered or that the environment's been destroyed. But I understand the context you're using it in that uh, linking it back to Claire Mann's work and, and that kind of approach. I know I've heard activists have been around a long time sort of said in the 80s, like things, if they ever got invited to do anything social or whatever, mm. like you don't want to go out to the theatre and it's like, I'll go to the theatre once all the animals are freed. Yes. And that, that sort of mindset, yeah. uh, and that they said they've now changed that mindset go no I'm yes. going to enjoy my life as well as well as being an activist yes. and I think it's really important in terms of um, not just that thing of like, like Claire Mann touches on the fact that if we're just sort of really unhappy and we're just upset about animals being slaughtered all the time we're probably not going to be sort of very likable people who are going to connect with people who aren't already vegan or aren't already caring about animals but yeah I, th I think also another um, an another reason why uh, that approach isn't necessarily the best is that um yeah when we're when we're always doing that we won't necessarily connect with people who aren't like-minded if all we're you know we're all we're focused on is animal activism and animals being sorted and all those kind of things and don't have any other interest or anything there's no points of connection whereas if we're involved in other issues maybe we're environmental activists as well or maybe we just i don't know like going to the footy like stand-up comedy mm. whatever it might be there might be greater points of connection with people who aren't open diet issue yet um but yeah i think we become much more um interesting people and, and many of us you know do have these other interests i think it's important to in terms of that acceptance like no i don't accept this but i'm gonna you know sort of accept that that's the way it is and i'm going to do activism i'm going to take time for things that i enjoy as well i agree mm. and you know it's there's a it's a psychological therapy called acceptance commitment therapy so even psychologists are now looking at the idea of acceptance as being a starting point for growth um, and that's come out of mindfulness and all of those things so acceptance really is just acknowledging the fact that for a multitude of many complex interconnected reasons the world as we know it has unfolded to this moment the way it is in this moment and this is our starting point right now what do we do we look at we look right now at the way the world is and we accept that that's that's happened and how do we move from here? And we, 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 we use compassion and we use a desire to, to create um, equity and, and compassion and easing suffering in combination with that acceptance. So they, I think that's, that's a good point that you make. Um, and it is true about these, these points of connection as well. Um, everything does interconnect. 
you know, as vegans, we, we, um, we, we're pushing the vegan message, uh, which is really important, and getting consumers to, to go vegan, which is really important. But we also need to be going out and, and working with farmers who are rearing animals and lobbying to create a situation where farmers can be paid to destock their land and use their land either if they can for growing more crops um, and there are ways of growing crops that um, such as agroforestry and that kind of thing which can be done in a way that um, helps in a regenerative agricultural way. Do you want to explain what agroforestry is for anyone who's unfamiliar? So agroforestry is when you um, intersect growing crops with with trees mm. so it's a combination of trees and and cropping so what it does is the um, the trees uh, sequester help to sequester the carbon into the soil, um, and the, the combination of the trees and the cropping allows more carbon overall to be sequestered. Um, so there are techniques. So so these are the things that we need to be lo looking at. Looking at paying farmers to um, to use regenerative farming techniques, and or if that's not possible to pay farmers, to, to plant trees, to rewild, do all of the things that we need to do in order to tackle the biodiversity crisis mm. um, and climate change at the same time, and, and perhaps even work with, uh, with uh, First Nations people. So we've got to completely re-examine the way we approach farming and land management, and farmers need to be part of that process. They need to feel part uh, included. And so, therefore, um, it, it isn't just a matter of encouraging people to go vegan. It's, it's, it's the whole change about the way we look at food, how much we're willing to pay for food, where do we put our focus in terms of our emphasis in, in helping farmers and, and, and the land. Um, so it is, it is complex. And also uh, working internationally as well, um, because I, I do worry that uh, the, more, the more people in Australia that are going to go vegan, the more uh, the meat and dairy industry will just market our products overseas, which is what the tobacco industry did, of course, um, as more and more people gave up tobacco in Australia. They pushed it hard in other countries. So it's also working internationally um, with our partners internationally um, uh, together, learning from each other about how we can create resilient, sustainable um, communities, regenerative communities um, across the world as well through um, proactive foreign aid. Um, and when I say aid, I don't mean that in a kind of a colonial kind of way. I mean, that's that's a two-way system, a partnership where we learn from each other. Um, so, it, it, again, it's a big, it's a bigger picture thing. So going vegan is one part of a much broader, more complex, holistic, for want of a better word. Um, yeah. I keep using it. I keep using it. Yeah, no, um, I think it's fair. <laughs> and I think it is that there is that idea of, of yeah, yeah, being holistic or, or being more um, broadly focused. So, yeah, again, moving away from that us and them, like I'm vegan, I'm doing the right thing. They're not vegan, they're doing the wrong thing. It's like, that. you know, vegan is, is a really positive thing and it's a really important part of the animal advocacy movement. But there are certainly so many issues, even for, for animals, let alone if we consider the environment and humans, but even just for animals, 
animals, there's so many other issues. So last episode on freedom of species, um, we covered plastic waste and how that's an important animal rights issues in terms of the the animals who get harmed by the plastics that end up in the ocean and, and these kind of issues. So that is not specifically about veganism, it's definitely about animals. So there's so many other issues and obviously we could um, connect with those kind of peoples and, and people and get, get involved in that issue and, and maybe those people would also, I'm concerned about these marine animals being harmed. Um, what about my consumption practices towards marine animals and other animals yep. as well? So making those connections is really Absolutely. important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's very true. Mm. Yeah. And another, you know, something you touched on briefly there was uh, mindfulness. Do you want to talk a little bit about um, sort of this uh, mindful approach and how that can be um, part of this um, holistic activism approach? Sure. Well, look, um, holistic activism um, looks into deep ecology as well. So holistic activism takes sort of ideas from uh, deep, deep ecology, um, acceptance commitment therapy, and, and a few other sort of areas. But one thing that I learned from the deep ecologist John Seed is he talked a lot about um, how humans have lost their connection to, to nature. And because, and, and as a result of that, we've got so drawn into to mind and materialism and sound bites and all of those things that we, we, because we've lost that connection, we're less likely to, to value nature. This is why when I worked as a town planner, I was really, I would have huge issues with um, urban sprawl um, and the, the lack of um, walkability in areas so that you know ideally when you're creating new communities you would be within walking distance of something that is of non-human nature of biodiversity so that you can feel a sense of connection to the land that you're in if it's a river I, I'm very lucky I live close to the river Mary and you know my walks along the Mary just completely change me you know I can be stressed I can be depressed I go along to the Mary and I see the trees and I see the riverbank and all of a sudden I feel a sense of connection and place and I feel uh, re-empowered. Now, when, um, now, a lot of people don't get that in, in a lot of suburbs. You know, uh, the way we plan towns is, is we, just, we just bulldoze everything down and we build these monocultures of houses. And so we're creating communities where people are very cut off from um, the rich tapestry and beauty of, of nature. And this is this is part of a broader issue in society as a whole. And what John C. taught me is is that um, across the world, just about every indigenous culture have rituals in place that allow them to reconnect, that takes them out of language, and to to reconnect with 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 the oneness of everything. And you know, obviously, in Eastern philosophy, with um, with mindfulness and Buddhism, um, by not getting drawn into the constant chatter in our minds and the the constant stimuli that are out there and being able to have that space where we can be mindful and be present um, allows that reconnection to happen but in in our western society we don't seem to have any any rituals um, to do that now obviously we are we are using mindfulness techniques and we're, we've got things like deep ecology so we are learning those ideas and relearning those ideas um, but it is it is really really important because as long as there's language, there's going to be a need to spend some time out of language as well. No language can never language can never fully 
summarize the complexity and the beauty of the world in the present moment. The nature of language is that it, 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 it reduces into sort of simple lines of thinking something that's, that's very, very complex and interconnected. So it is really nice to be able to spend some time where you can feel at peace outside of language. And the important thing as well to remember is I think a reason why we have cognitive dissonance and a lot of people get very ideological about certain issues and are fighting hard for their ideology is because so much of their identity is, is invested in a particular perception of the way the world is. And that's a perception that's being born out of language. If you can find a connection with the world that's outside of language, that that just the oneness of all that is, it means I think that you can, you're more willing and more able to change your perception on certain issues because less of your sense of self is, identif is, is, is invested in identifying with a particular way of looking at the world. So um, holistic activism is all about critical thinking and being open to critical thinking and challenging cognitive dissonance. And, and the main reason, for, one of the reasons for doing that and, and ways of doing that, of course, is by looking those, for those points of connection with people as a starting point. But the other part of that is the mindfulness and that, that sense of ease and connection with, with something that is beyond, beyond the spoken. Yeah, that and I sense. think it's probably something I um, we kind of mentioned the spirituality at the start, and something I probably would have been highly critical of. But having said that, I've um, even uh, I, I come from Perth, as uh, Mark does at some point. But yeah, and I remember being back in Perth and taking my dog out uh, to the bush for a walk, and then I met up with my partner and we did the Kings Park, the treetop walk, like through the bush in this in this in central Perth. And after doing that, and then I sort of just walked along St George's Terrace, the main street, in you know, one of the main streets in Perth, and I was just like, oh, I need to get out of here and I never sort of knew about that because you don't necessarily have that um, connection with nature and even now I um, yeah got walking through the botanic gardens my dog such a, a nice way to start the day and, and a good experience and also again bringing it back to Claire Mann's work who has a lot of similarities with uh, your holistic activism approach uh, I often when I'm out walking with my dog sort of just not in the process of getting emails done and doing work I actually think oh that could be a good idea for a talk or that could be a good idea for an article or that could be a good idea for my class on Tuesday or whatever so actually yeah even though I'm not uh, myself into meditation specifically I think just yeah getting away from the computer and just taking that time out uh, and just sort of having that more sort of mindful experience does allow um, again going back to Claire's, Claire Mann's work those more sort of deeper thoughts to emerge rather than when you're sort of in, in the daily grind of getting things done yeah you get right. less ideas for activism or writing whatever it is you're focused on as well yep exactly yeah, yeah. yeah that's 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 another way of framing it and mm. um I like I like the fact that you frame it in that particular way because mm -hmm. I can get a bit zen in my framing and it's good to have people who who are less sort of on the zen end of the spectrum mm -hmm. to 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 frame it in that way as well because mm -hmm. the idea is is that we this is the holistic activism is meant to include everyone yep. irrespective of whether or not they're religious, spiritual, mm -hmm. atheist, whatever. Yeah. yeah. And, and I can definitely see some connections with what you're saying, even yeah. though I'd maybe frame it in a slightly different yeah. way as well. That's for, sure. for sure. Yeah. yeah. And another key aspect um, I thought we should touch on, which we have touched on already, but this idea of, um, yeah, keeping your own ego in check and, um, yeah, avoiding shaming and judging other people. Again, this is something that we have touched on a little bit, but is there anything you'd like to add about that? Well, it's all it's all about the the breaking the endless cycle of us versus them, mm -hmm. um, and the 
so while while we in order to be a critical thinker we have to be willing to change our perception and change our ideology so um while at this so while we need to be looking for points of connection with people and building up movements by finding those similar values we also need to be wary ourselves of our own cognitive dissonance um so that we don't get caught up and we're all capable of it we'll do it it's it's um and we shouldn't feel bad about it 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 comes to the territory um and again, that's where the mindfulness comes in. It's being mindful, like, well, hang on a minute, you know, I'm, I feel as though I'm now in this argument to win it rather than this discussion, rather than this being a discussion where hopefully we will both broaden our minds on a particular issue. Um, and again, I think the non-attachment to outcomes is really important too. You know, you go into a situation and you think, well... Um, not being attached to how that situation is going to emerge. So if, if you join a um, if you join a group or an organisation, and they don't necessarily achieve their goals, if you can still find a way of uh, appreciating things that have come out of that that might not have otherwise been thought of, mm. um, and also being comfortable about walking away from something when it's not working for you, rather than um, getting caught up in the the ideological battles. Um, so I think it's that being being good to yourself in that in that respect, knowing when to let go, um, accepting the fact that, that things are not necessarily going to turn out in a particular way, but also um, really appreciating and having gratitude for the the lessons and things that are going to come out of it that you may not have perceived as happening in the first place. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and another another connection with with your work as well. I was recently reading the book "No Is Not Enough" by Naomi Klein, and her point was that we need to not just object to certain developments; we also need to create the world we want. So, an example of that um, in North America was the North Dakota pipeline, and in that case, they sort of um, lost the battle, but maybe won the war. So, the pipeline went ahead, but there were so many good connections, like um, non-indigenous people learning indigenous ways of relating to the environment and protecting the environment. Environment, uh, connections between a wide range of different groups and all these kind of things. So even though there was a short-term loss, the fact they sort of said yes to all these things meant in the long term there can be gains from that as well. So That's exactly yeah. right. And that's why um, it goes back to what I said earlier about how you have these, these campaigns that are symptoms of a deeper problem, like the pipeline mm -hmm. is a symptom of a much deeper issue, which we could spend hours discussing, you know, going all the way back to capitalism and all of that. But... When when you go into those campaigns, a lot of the time we don't win. Sometimes we do, but mm. it's a lot of energy, mm. a lot of stress. But if, whether or not we win or lose that campaign, if we're taking a holistic activism approach and we're using within that campaign that idea of creating that shift in paradigm, that behavior change, creating new connections, creating reconciliation, then as you say, you are building something up that is... Um, going to in the long term be regenerative that is going to create work towards that paradigm shift so it's it's not a waste what the worst thing that can happen is to be involved in a campaign and everyone to come out of it angry and resentful and more cynical and i'm the reason why i talk about this is because I've, I've been there myself mm -hmm. you know this mm -hmm. is i've been on the hard road nick mm -hmm. um 
so yeah that's that's a really good example that you mm. use that's yeah. a very good example yeah. thanks and i think also um there was a, a zine that came out of the environmental movement a while ago called the issue is not the issue and talking about the, it's kind of similar to what you're saying in that you know we oppose one development but it's going to go elsewhere if we just oppose that one so it's like that area is yeah. and we save that one but then it goes somewhere else and there's kind of a similar yes. critique in the animal movement single issue campaigns we focus on one thing yeah. and it goes something else so it's like yeah all these individual issues are important but we need to also address the broader cultural issues as well we do mm. it's like everyone being told to save water and then mm. they open up a coal mine because which mm. uses huge amounts of water mm -hmm. or everyone's uh told to save water but then they open up an abattoir which uses up lots of water mm -hmm. and they just give more to animals so yeah, yeah again there has to be that that deeper cultural and it's that understanding so it's not about saying don't fight the single issue campaigns mm -hmm. but yeah. it is understanding a that there, there is a connectivity to to a lot more mm -hmm. and to try and find points of connectivity with with people so that we can do that and build up that broader shift in in paradigm and that's uh, yeah that, yep, that resilience yep <laughs> uh we better go to a track now so mark has picked another track uh this one is um gray cell green by ned's atomic dustbin anything you want to say about this track mark i was first introduced to this track by a couple who um started um, a vegan bar um south of the river called gray cells green and i said why did you call it that mm -hmm. and they said oh there's this song by ned's atomic dustbin and they played it to me i thought oh, this is a great song and it's basically all about how um, the way we look at the world comes from within us. So it's about the inside and the outside being one and the same and how if we don't get our inner world right, we're not going to necessarily have such a good relationship with the outer world. Okay, great. So we hear that track. Uh, you're listening to Freedom of Species Animal Advocacy on the airwaves on 3CR 855 AM. Welcome back to Freedom of Species. You're on 3CR 855 AM. And we've been speaking to activist Mark Allen about the idea of holistic activism. Uh, Mark's been here the whole hour. And I wanted to give some, or give Mark the chance to give some plugs for holistic activism in a second. But I thought with that song, which was called um, Grey Cell Green, it might be worth giving a, a quick shout out to Grey Cells Green, who are in Windsor. Thanks a lot to Grey Cells Green to donating a voucher to our radiothon. So that was really appreciated. Definitely check that out in Windsor. And I specifically wanted to mention it is 100% vegan as well, but also they do these trivia for the animals, which is, um, yeah, again, it's 100% vegan place. It's a trivia question. It's always raising money for different animal groups. Uh, and I know Mark has been to these. Do you want to have a quick, uh, speak quickly about the trivia for the animals and what it's all about? Oh, they're great. They're mm. really, really good. They're upstairs. Amazing food, amazing mm. company. Um, David Durango, he's a um, great host and compare. Good Some humor. vegan jokes in there. Lots of vegan jokes, yeah. What is the deal with veganism? Stuff like that. Yep, yep. yep. No, he's, uh, he's a sharp vegan comedian, is David. So, yeah, no, I do recommend it very much. There you go. So you can search Trivia for the Animals on Facebook. And there's on Sunday, July the 8th at 2 p.m., there's Trivia for Lamb Care Australia. And Sunday, july 22nd at 2 p.m there's trivia for animal activists australia so yeah check them out on facebook if you want to um yeah go along there eat some vegan food do some trivia meet some other people uh and the main thing we've been discussing throughout this whole hour has been mark's uh, holistic activism so do you want to give some plugs for people to get more involved and find out more and connect with you etc 
Yes, that would be great. Well, holistic activism is a kind of a new emerging thing. I don't know how it's going to emerge, how it's going to grow, how it's going to evolve. Um, I've got some ideas of how I'd like it to, but as a holistic activist, of course, I'm not attached to how it turns out. Um, but at the so we've got the Students of Sustainability Conference coming up very soon. It starts this Saturday, and I have a workshop on at midday. Um, at the Students of Sustainability Conference on holistic activism for an hour. So it would be an introduction. Um, there is also a Facebook page called Holistic Activism and Behaviour Change, which um, if you're on Facebook, you're very, very welcome to join. And also, if you'd like to, if you're not on Facebook or you'd like to contact me or discuss it or want to get more involved, you can email me at themindfulactivist, all one word, at gmail.com that's the mindful activist all one word at gmail.com and we will see where it goes from here this is pretty much mind me my main focus as an activist from now on so yeah we'll see see where it goes so i want to spread it out there and grow it we have a, a zine which has just been written it's a very very much a first edition and I just wanted to get something written for the Students of Sustainability Conference, um, but that will be updated and expanded um, over the next few months so that we'll have something a bit more solid to work with. Mm -hmm. And I'm always, always welcoming new ideas and new perceptions and everything like that. So if anyone has anything they'd like to add, that would be really good too. Yeah, and there's also, yeah, your zine is available at progressivepostings.wordpress.com, oh, yes. so you can check that out. Uh, don't read the other stuff on there. It's pretty ridiculous. <laughs> that, that, that is my blog, uh, me and my partner Katie's blog. But, yeah, check that out, and so you can read uh, Mark's zine, uh, yeah, online there as well. And we'll put all those links. Um, actually, we have shared them on our Facebook page, Freedom of Species Facebook, so like that page. You can check that out in the recent post, so if you're listening to this live. Uh, and also, when we put this episode up on freedomofspecies.org, We'll put those links there as well. So Mark mentioned he's speaking at Students of, uh, Students of Sustainability, which is running from the 6th to the 12th of July. And also me and another Freedom of Species presenter, Adam Cardellini, are going to be speaking on Sunday the 8th from 3.30 till 5 p.m. And yeah, that is going to be on the connections between animal liberation movements and environmental movements, some of the, the kind of stuff we've been talking about today. And Adam will be talking mainly about the environmental impact of animal agriculture. And I'll be talking, I guess, maybe more specifically about what we've been talking about today in that, um, yeah, how we can frame um, environmental campaigns to more emphasise individual animals and also how we can get animal activists more into these environmental issues, which, as I touched on and as we touched on the show recently like plastic for example it's not just environmental issue it's definitely an animal rights issue as well so how we can get more animal rights people into environmental campaigns as well uh, and I also wanted to give uh, briefly give a winter update from the Bird and Exotic Animal Animal Clinic on Facebook. So they mentioned that uh, every winter vets see an influx of owls, and this is because people are basically trying to um, because it's cold. We have rodents flocking indoors to escape the cold, and humans try and get rid of them, put poison for the rodents, which is obviously bad uh, for the rats and those kind of things, but also for the birds as well, who tend to eat them, and then they get the the poison gets passed on to them. So they mentioned poisons are not an effective long-term control for rodents and they suggest humane traps, removing food sources and shelters for rodents and sealing all their possible entrances. So yeah, it's definitely important um, you know, when we're keeping us humans warm in winter, we 
also consider the animals. And Emma, another Freedom of Species host, also pointed out that if you're lighting a fire inside, check your flue for birds, and you can put netting around the top outside to prevent them from getting in. So keep that in mind uh, in these colder months here in winter. Uh, and just a brief shout out as well for the um, EAGX Australia event 2018. So it's effective altruism, uh, focusing on donating money to make change for different causes, including, including global poverty, existential risk and animal suffering. There's lots of speakers there going to be talking about animal issues, other issues, 13th to the 15th of July in Melbourne. And you can find all about that event at eagxaustralia.com if you're interested in the idea of effective altruism uh, we are nearly out of time uh, you can check all our episodes out at freedomofspecies.org all the episodes there we're one to two every sunday uh, thanks so much for joining us for the whole hour mark it's been great to get your uh, perspective on all of these issues thanks for having me i really enjoy coming in cool and stay tuned for end psychedelia a really great show i had a listen the other week and yeah really important discussions around uh, drugs and drug use and yeah treating drug use uh, more as a health issue rather than something that needs to be uh yeah punished and criminalized and these kind of things so definitely stay tuned for that um yeah and we'll be back next week What's love?